and welcome to The Loop. I'm Susan Ball, a tax partner at RSM, specialising in employment-related taxes matters and the current president of the Chartered Institute of Taxation. The Loop is usually where we untangle today's business issues by throwing real-life scenarios at a panel of experts from RSM. But this episode's a little different. In this, the first of a mini-series, we're dedicated to all things tax. Tax is always topical for lively discussion, but it's a conversation with real heat at the moment, thanks to the comings and goings at number 10, the cost of living crisis, the risk of recession, inflation rates that just keep on inflating. And that's before we get on to fiscal statements, autumn statements or anything else. So we thought we would ask some leading lights in the profession their views, including what they would do if they were put in charge of the UK tax system. My guest for this episode is Dame Margaret Hodge. Margaret has been an MP since 1994, and over her long and varied political career, she's had portfolios across education, work and pensions, business and culture. And in 2010, Margaret became the first woman elected to the chair of the Public Accounts Committee, serving until 2015. So, Margaret, welcome to The Loop. Thank you very much indeed. I'm not sure I would classify myself as a tax expert. But I'm certainly a loud commentator. <laughs> so certainly that's the case. And obviously that's what we'd like to talk about today. So thank you very much for joining us. A lot of us will know where you actually for being the MP of Barking, but also the chair of the Public Accounts Committee and the current chair of the Cross Party Group of Politicians, the APPG, on anti-corruption and responsible tax. Perhaps you'd like to tell us a bit about your background, where you're from, how you got into politics, the role with the committee, and, and perhaps latterly the APPG. Thank you very much. Um, that could take some time. I was working out the other day that I have been an elected representative uh, for 50 years, by 2023. So it's a long time. I mean, I got into I was always political. I went to London School of Economics. Um, I was always a campaigner on, in those days, single issues like anti-apartheid and campaign for nuclear disarmament, looking back to the 60s. Um, and then I was always a member of the Labour Party, but I became actually an elected representative on a council, on council um, when I started having children. And, it, you know, it was impossible to carry on with my foot full time job which involved extensive travelling abroad. So I um, uh, somebody said to me, go on to the council. It'll keep you sane whilst you're changing up his, which is probably not the best motivation, but um did it keep me sane? It sort of, I think being in politics is a sort of drug. And once you're in it, you want to change the world. You want to make the world a better place. It's very hard to give it up, although there are any downs as there are ups in, in political life. So I was very lucky to be a minister through most of the years of the Labour government under Tony Blair and Gordon Brown. Incredibly privileged. And then when we lost the 2010 election, um, I'd also been widowed very recently before that, and I was trying to think how to lead my life. And another friend of mine said to me, um, go on, go and chair the Public Council Committee. And I thought that would be really boring, but uh, put my hat in the ring. And it was the first time we'd had elections. And as you say, I, was, I, went, I had 48 hours or something crazy to around and garner votes and support from all backbench MPs from across Parliament. Uh, and um, I sold myself as being a woman. Uh, um, there'd never been a woman in the job before. And I also had just successfully beaten off the British National Party, the BM, in my own constituency. And that had raised my profile. So both 
beating the BMP, which I think everybody supported, again, across the political spectrum, and being a woman, I think, were the two key uh, reasons I was successful and became and got elected. So that got me into tests. And then uh, through that, I developed a real passion for uh, ensuring that we had a fair taxation system, and fair between individuals, fair between uh, corporations and individuals, and that uh, we tackle uh, the massive issue of tax avoidance. And so, I, you know, I think we did a lot of work in the Public Accounts Committee as we did investigations of uh, what we thought were considered wrongdoing in, in, in the way the tax system was working. And then that moved me. I'd always talk about it as a spectrum. So you, we started our journey on sort of, t- you know, tax avoidance, and that very quickly gets you into issues like economic crime, money laundering and fraud and that huge agenda. And that led then, after I'd done the, the Public Accounts Committee for five years, that led me into setting up uh, an all-party parliamentary group uh, looking, first of all, at responsible tax. And very quickly, we also decided that corruption and economic crime had been part of the agenda. And I'm very proud of that. Uh, coalition. It really is genuinely cross-party. People come to uh, supporting our agenda from very different perspectives uh, and very different values, but we all come to the same place in the end. And I think we have uh, built our credibility in Parliament. We've built our credibility among the government. I hope we've built a bit of credibility with the professionals like you, and I hope that um, uh, we we have really got incredibly wide support. So now as we tackle the second economic crime, uh, where I'm sitting on the bill committee as we speak, mm-hmm. um, uh, that support is very important in, in trying to get amendments and into that bill. will make it robust, useful, and will really help bear down on the terrible position Britain's got itself into in relation to money laundering fraud. Uh, perhaps that's a really interesting, uh, you know, point to kind of reflect on in that, you know, we had the first bill, which went through in a real hurry, obviously because of the circumstances at the time and what, what we were trying to do, um, you know, from a political point of view. Uh, this one, obviously, as you say, you know, it could be wide reaching. I, I guess what's some key points that you'd like to draw out that you think are a particular issue with it? You know, there are loopholes that are going to try and sort of close during the course of the bill, and there are omissions that we're going to try and tackle. But let me just say that, interesting enough, in the latest reshuffle <laughs> with the latest prime minister, we have two ministers who are leading the work of the bill who have been strong supporters of the APPG. Kevin uh, Hollenrake uh, has, uh, and Tom Tugendhat. Kevin Hollenrake is now the minister in uh, Bayes, who is taking through the from that perspective. And um, Tom Tugman is the security minister in the House of Commons, so he's taking it from that perspective. So I'm being much more optimistic okay. than uh, I was before that, you know, we can have a rational debate and try and really amend the bill. So what are the most important things we're trying to achieve? I think none of this will work if we don't properly fund enforcement agencies. So that's everybody from Companies House, which will become more an enforcement agency through to the FO, 
um, uh, the uh, NCA, National Crime Agency, and HMRC and the police. All those agencies have to be properly funded to uh, so that they really do carry out their investment roles. So that's one key issue. The other issue, which I think is probably more controversial for you members, but I think the supervision and uh, of uh, the professionals is not good enough. Another issue that we're going to try to toughen up during the course of the bill. Also, in the end, I think you have to place a um, duty on both the companies involved and the directors involved to behave properly. And so we want to introduce a new criminal offence of uh, which would uh, impact on all those working to advise, which is a, a failure to prevent economic crime. It modernises really our corporate liability legislation and brings it into the 21st century. Now, this isn't we want to lock up a whole of accountants and lawyers and, think, and, and bankers. Actually, we think it'll be a very effective preventative mechanism, which will make everything twice before they collude or facilitate economic crime. And the analogy that Kevin Honrake always uses, and I think is very powerful, is to look at what happened in the construction sector. Mm -hmm. So if you go back many, many years, lots of people died on construction sites. And it was only when legislation was introduced to have direct responsibility for failure to prevent accidents on their sites that when that was brought in miraculously overnight, the number of deaths on construction sites went down by over 90%. So it's an incredibly powerful preventative measure. I think those are the big things that we want. And then there are other issues that, you know, will just, if we're not tight enough, will mean that the legislation isn't as effective as we want it. But for example, you could still have opaque companies who, you know, a com uh, company registered in the UK um, will actually be held by a company in the BVI who mm -hmm. don't really know who is the owner behind it. So getting behind the opaque structure of companies and getting proper data on shareholders, uh, and I think it's that sort of detail and sort of loopholes that we have to address during the course of the legislation to toughen it up. And obviously, as you said, that that means that you know, particularly in that point where um, it's companies' house who who effectively will be IDing people and getting more information, they're going to need more funding. I mean, from my perspective, obviously, uh, you know, you also mentioned HMRC in there, and and obviously tax advisors. Now, I know that you know when we look at the issues we've had more recently, HMRC have consulted on you know legislation to effectively regulate tax advice. Um, at the moment, we're waiting on potentially another consultation, having the initial ones, uh, you know, and the idea of putting um, PI insurance on everybody was found to be, I guess, too difficult. And President of the Institute, and, and you'd expect me to say that obviously all of our members um, comply with the legislation, but there is 30% of the tax advisors um, who help people who aren't regulated at all. So I guess that's the, the area which, you know, we're likely to see more on and, and links in with exactly what you've just been saying. Um, you've got to regulate the tax advisors, but I'd simply put a challenge back to you is I don't think all the other professionals 
uh, adequately regulated date. And I think the problem sometimes with organizations is that you're a trade body as well as a regulator. So on your trade, you know, you're representing the interests of your members. And that means you're lobbying people like me on their behalf. And does that role sit well with being the regulator? So I think there are issues around uh, the supervision of regulators, uh, which we've got to tackle. Can I just say one thing about all this? Because people, I don't want more regulation. The last thing I want is I want your businesses to flourish. But if we don't actually pull out this, these bad apples, if we don't tackle uh, the growth in fraud and economic crime in the UK, we will actually lose our reputation as a trusted jurisdiction. And that won't help the financial service, which is a really critical sector in the UK for um, economic growth and economic prosperity. So we've got to sort it out. We've got to, you know, tackle. And we've got to do it by smart regulation. And, and that links in, I guess, with the APG re recent report, really, and, and obviously the fact that you were talking about in that um, HMRC should be enforcing the law of the land. So I think that's, you know, it's quite interesting. And again, the fact that, you know, we're seeing, unfortunately, not so great service levels from HMRC. So clearly there is an issue there with, you know, we need to fund them more if we're going to get more out of them. I can't remember the latest figure that HMRC used for every pound you invest. I think they now talk about £19. Is it £19? It's something like that. It's an, it is an enormous, I mean, in my day, they talked about 12. So it's gone up. In, their productivity and efficiency has improved since I was the chair of the Public Accounts Committee, which is very welcome. Um, it's this failure of government, inability of government to see where you can invest safe. It's just, you know, it drove me potty when I was a minister. But it must be even more party when I, I'm a backbencher. There are some areas where government investment will bring back more than you spend. And uh, I think investment in the whole area of economic crime, tax avoidance is key. Yeah. Um, I mean, sort of taking you back a little bit, because I, I mean, that's been a really interesting debate. But but um, we've kind of gone through the whole of your career in a sort of whistle stop tour. And um I was wondering what was sort of a highlight for you, really, in all of that, because because I understand that, you know, you're coming up to the point where actually you're you're not going to stand going forward. So I'd be really interested to know what you think are your highlights. I think I've been incredibly privileged in my career and it's very difficult to pick out one one issue. So, I mean, I think am I allowed to put more than one down? When I was a local a local council, I was really proud that we built built and developed the biggest housing, council housing programme in the country. Um, and a lot of it wasn't just new build that we, you know, I was in Islington, I was chaired the housing committee in Islington and went from uh, rehabilitating 12 uh, beautiful Georgian houses that didn't have any inside toilets at some homes. This was in the mid-late 70s. Some of the homes, the only form of power was gas. So they had gas lighting. It's extraordinary when you think back on it. Anyway, we went from doing it to doing uh, 1,600 a year. Uh, and I'm really proud of that. I still live in Islington. And when you go around the borough, I think that investment in homes um, was uh, incredible. So that's one I'm proud of. I'm very proud of two huge battles that I had like, on racism. Fighting racism has been mm -hmm. a sort of integral part of my values. I'm an immigrant, so I came here 
And I joined the Labour Party because as an immigrant, I thought it was the party that sort of fought racism and promoted equality and, you know, had an internationalist perspective. But my fight against the BP, the Britain in, in, in marking, was a huge battle, which took four years. And if we hadn't done that, I think we might have ended up with um, Barking Dagenham having the first BNP council and the first BNP MP. So that was important. I was really privileged being a minister, and I think probably most important. I don't know what I, I did, lots and lots of stuff, but the thing I really loved was uh, developing Sure Start in the children's centres, which I was able to do as children's minister. And I always thought it's a very important lesson to me there. I used to go around the country when I was children's minister saying, we're developing a new frontier of the welfare state. And what I'd never really understood was how easy it was to dismantle it. And then the final thing is actually all the stuff around tax. Um, because when I first came across this, um, tax was considered technical. It was considered, you know, too difficult to understand. And I've always thought tax belongs to all of us. We all, Most people pay it. Most people don't try to avoid it. Uh, and it buys, it's our way, it's part of our subcontract, and we pay into the... Uh, into the common pot for the common good. Uh, and if it belongs to all of us, we should all understand it. And it shouldn't just be uh, uh, an issue for tax professionals or the very rich or for the big corporations. So making, moving that from being something that was just up with in boardrooms and in offices to something that tax are talked about. In well, I totally agree. I mean, that's I think that's when I first came think, came across yeah. you, Margaret, actually. It was on the Public Accounts Committee when, when you know, tax became front page news. And for somebody who'd worked in tax for a number of years, that, that was kind of my first realisation that it was regularly going to be on the front cover of the paper. And I actually went and watched the Public Accounts Committee on television. <laughs> so totally agree. It, it's, it's been one of those things now that we, we see more and more, you know, in the papers but I, but I, you know, for me, certainly it stems back to when you were doing that work and we were seeing it regularly, which I don't remember before that particularly. Mm. Um, and, and you know, when we last had a conversation, you it really resonated with me. You said that tax is everyone's issue. And, and I keep using that phrase. So apologies, I've, I've stolen it from you. But I guess the question then is, well, how do how do we make it better? Because the part of the problem uh, that we have, and you've just mentioned, is that actually it's complicated. And whilst that keeps me in a job, um, you know, it was less complicated when I started and I still had a job. And and we've got a more complicated tax system, which for the vast majority of people, it, you know, it isn't as straightforward, particularly now we've got people with multiple jobs. I think that, you know, I deal with pay and that was set up when we thought people would only have one job at a time, not several jobs at a time. Um, I don't know if you've got any comments on on what your thoughts are around that. Well, I mean, it's far too complicated. It's ridiculous. And, you know, the tax code, I don't know how big it is now. You know, it's, it's, it's completely potty. So were I chancellor, the first thing I'd do is I would really viciously get rid of a whole load of those um, tax reliefs and uh, simplify the system. And the problem is that the way that our politics is constructed, the chancellor gets very few chances to say anything, to do anything publicly. You know, he's in the background, he, she is in the background the whole time. They get their, you know, autumn statements and their budgets. And so they always use that to bring in something that, you know, will 
make them popular with the country or make them popular with their party or something or other. I would simplify, simplify massively. And I would open much more to public account. And I think if you want to build build trust system, you've got to get more open. And there are various ways of doing that. I think the current proposal that we're going to be working with, which is in the economic crime agenda, is you could set up a committee of both sides of parliament that is really um, that is devised, mirrored on the, on what happens with the security committee. So people come to it from both the law and the commons. Uh, they they have to uh, abide by confidentiality, so they're not allowed to in the way that the secure people in the security committee aren't allowed to decide. They can call for the papers around a particular um, uh, tax issue or fraud issue or, or economic crime issue. You can't release them, but you can then put into the public domain a report, a systemic report, if there is something systemic in the, the HMRC works that means that sweetheart deals are struck. And until you have that confidence that sweetheart deals aren't struck, you will will not have really trust in HMRC to the level that we need if we're to pay our tax. Well, I, I, there's a quite, uh, so much in there I'd like to discuss with you, but, but I'm conscious of the fact that we, we, we go on too long. Um, some people won't want to tune in. <laughs> so for that. Um, I mean, simplification was one of the things, obviously, that actually was mentioned recently uh, by uh, one of the recent chancellors we've had. Um, and and making sure that Treasury and HMRC have, have that as a, a focus as well, which um, I don't think has been there before. We do have the Office of Tax Simplification to go again. We're not quite sure where that's going to go at the moment. Um, but but it does seem that you're right. I mean, the trouble we've got is that everybody wants to write something new without actually sometimes going back to what we've got and, and saying, is this fit for purpose now? Um, so I think that's a, it's a really interesting. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Really interesting point. Um so I, I suppose, you know, we've we've talked a bit about, obviously, as you say, that, your career, et cetera, what you'd like to change. Um, and, and I know you've said that, obviously, you're not um, going to stand at the next election. But do you think you'll you'll ever get away from getting involved in tax of some shape or form? Um, um, well, no, I hope not. But, um, you know, I'm very proud of our APG and um, been very generously funded. You know, we have... Uh, charitable trust fund now so that we've become much more, I hope you recognise that, we're much more professional in the way we do our uh, work, We, uh, you know, and I think that's good. I think the early days we were floundering a little bit, but I feel much more a professional in our approach. Um, I don't want, I want that to carry on. Um, so goodness knows, I mean, I haven't really sorted out, I've got another two years, you know, I, unless this, unless this administration completely implodes. Um, uh, I've got another two years in which to sort that out. But we, we are much, you know, we're, we're, we've got staff over the APPG. We are much more professional. I think we're doing a really important job. We bring together politicians across the political divide. Everybody always thinks it's Prime Minister's questions is what Parliament is about. That's not what we're about. We really do have support right across uh right across the chamber of the House of Commons and uh, across the benches in the House of Lords. So I want to sort of embed that permanently. I'd love to be carry on being involved. I feel passionately about sorting this out. And, you know, particularly when we've got this cost of living crisis, you know, if we could actually you know, 
the figures on economic crime are 290 billion a year lost to the economy through economic crime. The figures on tax avoidance have stayed, you know, always around the 30, 32 billion a year. Um, you know, if we just sort that out, just think of money we would have available without imposing any more tax on a very highly taxed population. Just think of the money we'd have available. And on the fair taxation thing, I think the big debate of the moment is whether we are taxing income from work disproportionately to income gained from wealth. And I think that's where the big debate is going to be over the, over the coming period, balancing that more fairly uh, between individuals, you know, between the rich and the poor, between each and in the country, all that sort of stuff, between young and old. All that is a way in which you can get a fair system of taxation. And if you get fairness in it, if you get the money in it should be coming in to, to fund the public services we all want. I think you really build confidence. And it's really key to have confidence if we're to use tax to fund those public services that bring us together as a community. Well, I, th I think that's a, a fantastic um, summary of, of all the things we've discussed and, and perhaps a really good point to leave on, actually, fairness in the system. So thank you again, today's guest, Dame Margaret Hodge. Certainly that's given us a lot of food for thought. Um, from our point of view, if you'd like to contact us to talk about tax, you can do so on www.rsmuk.com and our contact details are shown on the show notes. To stay in touch with The Loop, just subscribe to The Loop. Um, we're always keen to hear your views and please rate us and leave a review and we look forward to you joining us for the next episode thank you very much <laughs>